Well, coming at you with another podcast. Um, currently driving home from Illinois. I just finished up a week-long whitetail hunt at my good buddy Logan's place here in Illinois. Um, about 55 miles into a damn near 1,300-mile trip, so... Got a long ways to go. Figured I'd kill some time with the podcast. Kind of driving right into the, the eye of the storm. There's a snowstorm that's been hitting us today. And the wind's pretty bad. I don't know if you can hear it on the phone or not. But anyway, uh, it's been a hell of a day. It's been a hell of a week, let me tell you. This whitetail hunt stuff, man, I think I'm hooked. It's it's pretty cool to me. I mean, a lot of people from out west might not understand it, but it was a it was a lot different than I expected to. Like, I knew like this was big farm country, big big properties and whatnot, but it's just the terrain here is neat. I I don't know just really badass to me like just big giant sections and um creek bottoms giant I mean more corn than you can ever imagine I haven't seen so many cornfields in my life and that that's what makes this part of the country go around it's corn and soybeans giant fields and this part of Illinois that I'm in probably what most of rural Illinois is like, but you know, you got houses here and there, properties, everybody, like, it's not like houses stacked into a big city, there's probably spots around here that are like that, but it's pretty rural, big ag communities, you know, agriculture, but, um, and there is deer everywhere, there's like, I don't know, man, and it, it's just fun to try to figure him out on him. Logan, he's got it pretty dialed. He knows what he's doing. He's got access to a few properties that hold some really good deer. And I'm very thankful that he invited me out to uh, come hunt with him. But it's just a cool place. So I'm going to kind of just break this hunt down day by day. Uh, so bear with me. Sorry. So I left Grantsville, Utah on Friday, last Friday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and just hammered down. I was heading for, um, what the hell is that town called? Oh, I got to pause this. Hang on. My wife's calling me. I got to pause this. Okay, sorry about that. I had to answer a phone call for my wife, but it's kind of a weird interruption to have during the podcast. Um, anyway, day one, where was I? Left Utah, drove to Kimball, Nebraska is where it was, now I remember. It's about eight hours. Well, actually, it was way longer than that because um, I was just out of Laramie, Wyoming, driving eastbound I-80. Between Laramie and uh, Cheyenne, and 
hit a major wall of traffic, and it this was at like seven o'clock at night, I think. I can't remember what time it was. I don't know. And turns out there was a bad wreck with a couple semis on the freeway, and they shut the freeway down. And I sat on the freeway, not able to go anywhere, forward or backwards, for three hours. By the time I rolled into Kimball, Nebraska, it was like 1.30 in the morning. So I just got my hotel room and jumped in bed and slept till like 6 o'clock in the morning, 6.30. And I'm pretty sure I rolled out of Kimball at 7 o'clock a.m. So then day two, you know, driving all the way through Nebraska. Nebraska's pretty cool, at least, following along I-80. You're just, like, following the North Platte River the whole way. There's lots of cool river and creek bottoms and big pastures and stuff. I I don't know. I love the mountains, but I kind of like these little creek bottom type areas, too. Like, it's cool to me, little coolies and river bottoms and stuff. But So, anyway, drove all the way through Nebraska. Uh, I actually stopped at a Bass Pro Shops in... Well, it was in Iowa, actually. What's that place called? Uh, it's right by Omaha, right across the border. Uh, it don't matter. Whatever. I'll think of it here in a minute. But um, Stopped at Bass Pros. I had to pick up a tree stand harness and look for a couple other things that I might need. Uh, continued on from there. Kept going through Iowa. Iowa was really cool. It's just rolling hills and farms. And in Iowa, there are deer everywhere also. And Iowa's like the big whitetail buck state. I think it'd be neat to go hunt there one of these days. Um, I think you have to apply for tags in Iowa. I'm not sure. I think I'm going to just pretty much abandon all my Utah elk hunting. And spend that money on whitetail hunting from now on. Because... Like I said, whitetail hunting, I'm addicted to it. So then I, uh, you know, roll through Iowa. That's. And then I cross the Mississippi, which I'm actually about to the Mississippi heading westbound now. I didn't get to see it in the daylight, so I'm kind of excited to see the Mississippi River in the daylight. Um, crossed into Illinois. And by then it was dark. Uh, got off I-80 onto I-88 and just cut across to Illinois, northern Illinois. And got to Logan's house about 8 or 9 o'clock at night. So it was a long, long day of driving. I think it's... I accidentally deleted my trip thing on the truck from when I left Utah to come here. But pretty sure it was like... 1,230 miles or something like that. I don't know. I started a new one when I left, so we'll see how much that is. But I've gone 73 so far, so... There's a car coming up next to me. Um, just going to change lanes because the semi's going slow, but there's a car right here. Anyway. So, got all settled in. Logan, he uh, went and got his father-in-law's motorhome and parked it out by his shop. Uh, for me to stay in, so I had a place to poop and whatnot. 
my own little room, pretty much. I, you know, got there, ate some dinner with them guys, got all settled in in the motorhome, and pretty much, I'm pretty sure, like, went to bed. I don't know. Remembering that right? It's been a long week. Uh, then uh, Logan's got a badass shop at his house, like. Two bay doors and a little office and just a bunch of white-tailed deer on the walls and it's just clean and nice and countertops and cabinets and tools and makes me jealous. So Logan, if you listen to this, I'm you know I'm jealous of your shop and I need to build me one. Uh, anyway, so Sunday morning we figured we'd just throw me right into the fire and we're going to do an all-day sit in a tree stand, which I had never sat in a tree stand in my life like that. I've sat in, like, makeshift tree stand, like a pallet in a juniper tree in the desert before, but not like a legit real tree stand. And, uh, so, I guess I should preface this, too. I was hunt- I was planning on hunting with my recurve. I took my recurve and my compound and I figured I would hunt with my recurve the first few days and then once crunch time started happening I would switch to the compound and I was I was 99.9% sure I was going to kill a buck and a doe because I have a doe tag. I had a doe tag too. So I went into this hunt feeling really confident. Um, so day one, or well, yeah, it's day one of hunting. So it's day three of the trip, really. Because it took me two days to get there. So get into the the tree stand. It's out in this big. Uh, this property is like a. We call it. He calls it the East Woods and the West Woods. And it's two big old chunks of woods. Holy shit, this lady's gonna slam into the back of me. God, sorry, this crazy driving lady. I have to give her a dirty look when she passes me. She just came hauling ass up on me. Holy shit, lady. Anyway, people from Illinois drive like idiots, I guess. I don't know. Um. So the East Woods and the West Woods, okay? So we park, and there's a giant cornfield in between them on this property. And the deer work back and forth between these woods. And Logan actually has a couple cell phone cameras, cell phone cameras, cell cameras on these woods, and he gave me the login. So I'd been able to, the last month or two, check deer out when they were hitting the cameras so that's pretty fun and then uh so we park and we have to walk down the fence line they call them fence rows i call them fence lines just whatever regional thing and then cut across the cornfield which the corn's all down right now it's november so they're getting all the corn out of the field and stuff and then he's got a food plot and a tree stand on the food plot and then across the corner like a like kind of dog legs it's not a perfectly square patch of woods but um 
Then he's got a blind and a tree stand over there and a little bit of a food plot on that side. So he was planning on sitting in the tree with me with his hanging hunt stand. And I was, you know, going to sit in the stand that's already there. But his the straps on his hanging hunt stand weren't big enough for the tree that the stand was in. So, And it was like 5.15 in the morning, you know, it was dark. We didn't want to have to mess with that in the dark and spook everything out of there. So... He uh, went over to the other tree stand, and it was about two or three hundred yards away from where I was sitting, probably. But, uh, so I got in the stand, and this is my first time in a tree stand, like I said. And we were going to do an all-day sit. And it's not, it wasn't that cold. It was actually kind of warm during the days, but when you're sitting and not moving around, you get cold, but... Before I came out, I had bought some of the First Light Solitude bibs and Solitude jacket in the Spectre camo First Light. So all you First Light haters can eat shit because I don't care. I like it. And I'm glad I got those bibs <laughs> jacket because... They were so nice to have sitting there all day. Kept me warm. They're super comfortable. They're um, super, like, usable. Like, you can still move in them. They're not big and bulky and loud and noisy, you know. They're, and it's off First Light's whitetail hunting line, so makes sense, right? So, anyway, sitting there, got my recurve. You know, and I pretty much have everything ranged out. And where most of these deer would come into this food plot, and... Uh, it was just like clover and stuff that he'd planted in the woods. Everything was either... It was like where you could shoot was probably 10 to 30 yards. And I felt pretty comfortable shooting out to 25 with my recurve. Ooh. Something stinks. I don't know. Uh, sorry. I, you guys probably hate listening to my podcast because I get distracted while I'm talking. But, um, first light... It was probably, yeah, first light. Uh, first light of the day. Um, a little forky buck came in. So this is where I struggle with whitetail stuff, but I'm getting the hang of it. So in Utah, a, a forky's a forky. A forky whitetail's a forky. But a forky whitetail also is like a six point, which means he has a main beam a G2, and then brow tines. They call them brow tines. I call them eye guards, so whatever. So I got to get used to counting all the points, like an 8-pointer and a 9-pointer, 10-pointer, whatever, blah, blah, blah. In Utah, an 8-pointer would be a 4-point buck. We just count one side, which is just how you're taught. Mule deer are different than whitetails. But anyway, a little forky buck, a 6-pointer, comes in. 15 yards and I felt really confident that I could have just drilled him but it's first day and I'm not going to shoot a forky buck on the first day and I don't care who you are I don't go by the don't pass up the on the first day what you'd shoot the last day because I think that's stupid I just think you got to let the hunt progress and see what happens so let him kind of move through and then a couple does move through and I have a doe tag but I didn't want to smoke a doe on the first day either because I didn't want to mess up those woods and while I'm thinking about it too 
these big stands of woods, they're, I think they're cool. Like, they're kind of, like, deep and dark and kind of mysterious and whatnot. But these big, giant oak trees, 100-foot tall oak trees and pine trees and probably alders and birch and maples and all sorts of trees in there. And then thick, thick undergrowth. And then there's just like little lanes and paths and old roads through them and trails, deer trails everywhere in them. And like little meadows in them. It's just cool. And they're like, I don't know, the mystery of those big woods. Just that's what attracts me about some of that stuff too. But I gotta not miss my turn. I gotta get on to I 80 right here. Crossing the uh, Mississippi River here in a minute. So, um, anyway. I, like I said, the does came through. Um, and then I had a couple does come through on my right-hand side just below me, about 10 yards away from me, and then a little button buck. And a button buck's just like a yearling fawn buck that just has little nubbins on him. Uh, and so I was watching that button buck, and I was trying to get a Snapchat of him. And there's kind of a blind corner in this food plot with a little row of trees. And so when deer pop out in front of you, they're like right there, 20 yards. And so I'm watching a little button buck, and out of the corner of my eye, I catch movement. And to me, this buck was a giant. A giant buck walks right in at 20 yards opening morning for, well first morning for me first time I'd ever hunted whitetails biggest whitetail buck I'd ever seen um giant he's a he was a 12 pointer and we got a lot of trail camera pictures of him and so I'm like oh shit and so I put my phone down um get my bow up and that buck's watching that little button buck or something and that button buck walks out and steps on a branch and snaps it hardcore and that big buck just like jumped straight up in the air and spooked and it got him all riled up and then he kind of trotted out to about 25 yards uh he was probably no he came out at 15 yards and he trotted out to about 20 yards and um he like looked around and like when he was looking, I don't, I didn't move and he couldn't smell me, but he looked, it felt like he looked right at me. I was like, oh shit. And so he's like looking around. Then he just like turns his head, puts his head down and starts walking off. And so as he was walking off, I go to draw my bow back and I was going to do the old meow and get him to stop, you know? And as soon as I start pulling my bow back, he catches movement and bounds off. I'm like, shit. And then he just hopped off and then stopped back at like 40 yards and just stopped and kind of looked my direction. I don't think he ever really saw me. He just saw movement. And it kind of just boogered him out. He was on, so these deer, whitetails around, I don't know if it's just because it's where they live, how they're hunted, whatever. Um, they were just like, super on edge just like keyed up 
turned on the whole time. So you got to be like slow, slow movements around them. Hardly move at all. You can't make noise. Like scent control. All this. It's, there's a lot that goes into this white tail hunt stuff that a western mule deer hunter like myself just had no clue about. <laughs> I mean, I know how to like move around deer and not be like loud, noisy, and all that shit. But like, just like the the scent control and all the harnesses and tie ropes and portable stands and this and that. It's just there's a lot that goes into it. I, my hats are off to these hardcore diehard whitetail hunters. But So he stops at 40 yards. And I'm like, gosh damn it. If I had the damn compound in my hand, and I hate to be, oh, I should have had the compound. But I'm dead serious. If I had had the compound, I'd have got a shot at it for sure. Because he stopped out to 40. And then he just trotted off. And then things got pretty slow after that. sat most of the day there was a bunch of does that kept moving in and out and I there wasn't any more bucks that came in but I sat my first day of whitetail hunting I sat in a tree stand for 12 hours holy shit and I'm not a person that does well like holding still um I'm gonna pause this podcast because I am driving across the Mississippi River and I want to see it so hang on alrighty I am back um, just across Mississippi that was pretty cool I didn't get to see it in the daylight coming here so I had to look at it that's a big ass river holy shit I'm from Utah where you could jump across most of the rivers and all these guys from back east think they're just streams and creeks creeks whatever you want to call them I call them a creek but uh, so 12 hours in a tree stand is a long time. And like I said, I'm not a person to hold still very long. It's hard for me. Very, very hard for me to hold still in a tree stand. But I tried. So I had Logan sat with me in that tree that day. He'd probably been yelling at me all day long, fidgeting and wiggling and making noise and looking at my phone. And uh, Glad that I brought it, but I had a charging pack for my phone portable charger because when nothing's happening pretty much you just look at your cell phone I mean you don't have to but I get bored sorry but and then my my phone the battery sucks so I have to get it all charged up halfway through the day and stuff but anyway come out of the tree at like 530 um and it was dark. Daylight savings just has happened, you know, and it was dark. 5.30, pitch black. Come out of them woods, and that was pretty fun. I was glad I got to see, my opinion, a mega buck, which is probably just a medium-sized buck for these whitetail guys, but uh, I was just really happy to see that buck and see that little one and all that, and I'm pretty sure that's all I saw that day. So then the next day, Logan had to work in the morning. So he took me down to another property and put me up in a tree stand that was in a pine tree. And we were given that the east and the west woods a break, I guess. 
since we were in it all day. Um, didn't see any deer Monday at all. Was it Monday? So Monday I didn't see any deer in the tree. We seen deer outside of the tree, but nothing that I could hunt. Um, Tuesday What did we do Tuesday? Oh, okay. Monday Gosh dang. It's all been a blur. This week's gone by so fast. So Monday <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to remember what happened. I think Monday is when we did a hang and hunt on that same property just in a different spot and we didn't have any deer that came in close Tuesday morning Logan had to work again where did he take me Tuesday morning? This is bad. I can't remember. One of the days... Oh. Tuesday. Really bad east wind. I think. And he didn't really have any stand set up for like an east wind. Most of the time the wind comes out of the south-southwest here, I guess. So all his stands are pretty much set up for that. But then the, this front was coming through. Gosh damn, I can't remember if that was Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday. So. We went to... Where the hell did we go on Tuesday? We went and sat in a blind. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just trying to remember this. I know Tuesday night we sat in the blind in the West Woods. And didn't have... We seen a lot of deer. Um, seen a lot of deer, but they weren't on the property that we could hunt. We seen two really nice bucks and a little buck that was coming in. And I probably would have shot the little buck at this point. And then, so... I might have went and sat in the tree stand. can't remember. I cannot remember. I'm sorry. But Tuesday night, I know Logan and I sat a blind in the West Woods. Um, in the blind, I didn't take my recurve because it would have been too hard to... Because my recurve is a 60-inch recurve, like most of them. 55, 60-inch, whatever. So I took my compound. And then after that, we had just kind of decided I'm going to just stick with the compound. And my compound, I shoot it good. It's not like a brand new one, you know. It's kind of older. It's a Bowtech Diamond. But it still shoots good. And I you know, was really confident out to 40 yards with it. Um, Wednesday morning. 
<laughs> shit. Okay, so Wednesday morning, we the wind was going to be bad again. So we went and borrowed a decoy from one of Logan's buddies and went out to the east woods because we knew that there had been deer hanging around in the east woods. And we got out there and set the decoy up. Our plan was to rattle and grunt a buck in out of the woods and they'd come out and see that decoy and it would be good. So the wind was still really bad for this, I guess. But we figured we'd just go with it and see what happened. Um, which we did rattle a little eight-point buck in. He came from the opposite side that we were even trying. But it worked out. He came in to 30 yards right at first light. And we were just kneeling on the ground in the edge of the timber. And the decoy was out in the corn about 15 yards from us. So this buck comes around the decoy. Logan ranges him. He says, 30 yards. So I draw back. And he's coming into the decoy. He doesn't have any idea that we're there. And when I drew back, this is what I got to get figured out. Because it was legal shooting light, but it's still, like, dark. And I couldn't see my pins. Like, I could see them, but I didn't know. Because I'm set up 20 through 60, which is more of like a mule deer setup, I guess. And I'm going to change everything. So, bear with me. But, I get drawn back and... I'm trying to focus my eye on the pins and get my pins found and then I'm, I think I was focused too much on the deer to tell you the truth and so he starts walking again by the time I get my pins found and we tried to get him to stop and he just never would stop he just kept walking and he never blew out or boogered or nothing he just kind of trotted off and then he got our wind and he went down into the trees so then we're like, damn it. So we're thinking about what we're going to do next. And we decided Logan was going to go change the batteries in his cell camera on the Eastwoods. And that I would set up on the corner, kind of by where we were already set up. And if as he went around these woods, which is pretty big, it's a jaunt. Once they caught his wind or something, or if he spooked them, they might run my way and then see that decoy and hold up a minute. So he got around there, and I he he was supposed to text me when he got around there, and he didn't until... Well, he did, but I'd already seen the deer that he blew out before I got the text from him. And across the field, I see a doe come out, like probably 150, 200 yards away from me. Maybe further than that. Probably further than that. And as he left, that's what I was kind of wondering if I should sneak down the tree line and get on that fence line because he was going to push deer that way. I didn't think he'd push deer across the whole woods to me. You know, like, I was just going with what he told me because he knows the country, he knows the lay of the land, but, like, sometimes you got to trust your intuition, too. But So, anyway, he said it probably wasn't a good idea because we bumped too many deer getting down that tree line, which... I think if I'd have been there, it would have worked out. So this doe comes down the tree line, and then a couple seconds after that doe, a big, nice, ten-point, thick, heavy buck, big-bodied, you know, all burly-looking, comes trotting in behind her. 
And then I get a text from Logan saying that he jumped a buck pretty close to the camera. And after talking, he said that when he walked into the camera, that buck was bedded right there with the doe. And he said he could have shot him at 30 yards, but he didn't. But it was a nice 10-point buck. Not as big as the one I'd seen on Sunday morning. But... So anyway, after that, he come back, worked around to me. We got in the truck. We went home for some lunch. Uh, we went and tried. Um, pretty sure, yeah, it was this day. We went and tried uh, rattling a couple creek bottoms that he had property on. How we just kind of drove around and checked things out, and stuff. Wednesday morning. Oh, that was Wednesday morning. Yeah, that was Wednesday morning. So then in the evening, we went out to Logan's father-in-law's place, which is about a half hour north of where we, where Logan lives. And that he had a really cool property, too. It was on, alongside this river and then some big woods and this, a couple stands along some corn and some stuff. And then right in this corner is where Logan sat me. And they had a camera there where they'd been seeing some bucks. Um, which I know in one of my earlier podcasts I was ranting and raving about trail cameras and I never did do my my bitch fest podcast about trail cameras, but for the whitetail woods on private property, I think trail cameras are a necessity to know what's moving through and when. It helps so much and it's pretty cool. Because there's always new bucks. And it's not like we're trying to pattern one buck ever. We're just hunting deer. And that's what I like about it. We're just hunting deer. There's always deer. There's tons of deer. So anyway. Sat me in a tree stand by that trail camera. This stand was really comfortable. It had a big foam pad in it. It was a two-person ladder stand. I liked it. Oh. I know what I did Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, I sat... Um, they call it the tadpole pond. And I sat in a ladder stand over there, and I had some does come in. Does and fawns. I could have shot them, and I hunted with my recurve that day. But then, so yeah, that's what happened Tuesday morning. Anyway, Wednesday night. We, uh, he went, then he went and sat the ground a little further south of me. And we were just going to hunt this edge on each corner of this field and see what came in. And the wind was perfect. It was coming right out of the east for this setup. There was a river behind us. There was ducks and geese on the river, which was pretty cool because I'm kind of a duck and goose nerd now. A bunch of turkeys. So I'm sitting in that stand. And about 2.30 in the afternoon, I look down the tree line where I can see. And there was deer coming down the tree line. I put my uh, binoculars up. Turns out he was he's a wide, as wide as his ears which is probably like 18, 20 inches maybe. I don't know. Seven point. I thought he was just a six point because he was really shallow not deep fork, just wide. Not His tines were short. Everything was short. But um, He was coming down the tree. He's about 100 yards from me. And I'm watching him, so then I grab my bow and I look back up, and he's coming down the tree line still, but then he just dips into the trees again. And I'm like, shit. And I was thinking maybe he would uh, work his way back down this way. So I sat there for a little bit longer, 
I'm hunting with the compound by this time, like I said. And I should have just hunted with the compound the whole time. I should have just been totally committed to it. it everything would have been better. But anyway. Um, had a doe come by. Doe and a fawn come through. And then a bunch of turkeys. And I had I got some pictures of a big old long beard turkey. It's pretty cool. Um, and then Logan texted me and said that a little forky buck had just come out of the woods by him and was working my way. And I was saying, well, if he gets this close and it's the right deal, I'm going to shoot him. And where he was coming down would have been a 20-yard shot. So we waited, waited, waited. Um, never, He never did get to me by the time it got dark. He hung up with them does that were working towards Logan. So there was that. Thursday, we went to a different property. Got into a just a blind, a trailer blind. Um, Logan sat with me for half the day. So first thing in the morning, we had two deer come in. One was a doe, and then the other one was a little buck. Same thing happened to me with my pins. It's legal shooting light, but it's still too damn dark for me to see my pins. And... Uh, I get drawn back on him. He ranges him 35 yards. I'm drawn back. And we're trying to stop the deer. And it never stops. I couldn't see my damn pins anyway. So it didn't matter. So then we sit there a minute. And then it gets more light. And. A nice 8 point buck comes cruising out about 80 yards. And we're like oh shit. So Logan grunts at him. He stops and looks up our way. But with these white tail and you grunt at them. They got to have something to see. So that's why we had the decoy the day before. We should have set the decoy up yesterday too in the morning. Because that buck would have came right in. Um, so we get all set up on him. He's at 80 yards. Grab my bow. But he's just not coming. So then he kind of works down the tree line. Crosses a little road onto a different property. And out of our lives for that day. Um... So we sit there a little bit longer. There's some little bucks that are hanging around. If they'd have come close enough, they for sure would have got shot at. Then Logan had to leave at like 11 o'clock. And he wanted to know, he's like, do you want to just come with me? Or what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, since like it's like my second to last day of hunting. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'd rather just sit all day and hunt. So we agreed on that. So he was going to go do a few things. And then he was going to take his wife out to sit in the blind on the Westwoods on a different property. So they left me there. I went out, or I stayed. We had, the, we had a heater going because it was pretty cold and windy and rainy all day long. Had a heater going in that blind. And as soon as he left, the damn heater runs out of propane when he told me. He's like, yeah, that bottle's full. We should be good. I'm like, all right. Whatever, yeah, no, it ran out. Um, then, hang on. Um, so I sat, and as soon as Logan leaves, too, he gets in his truck, pulls out a nice, I'm pretty sure nine or ten point, I don't know, comes out on the same tree line where that damn eight point come out. 
but he was uh, he was actually coming from the other direction. So Logan's driving. I'm like, oh shit! So I grunt at him. He never even heard me because it was so windy. I couldn't get him to even stop, pick his head up, whatever. So I'm like, well, maybe he'll just speed back out this way later. So he dipped into the trees. I knew he wasn't going to go far because when he dipped into those trees, I could see other deer moving too. So there was deer just right in that edge. Which made me want to go sit on that edge more so than in the blind. But um, So then Logan texts me as he's driving out. He jumped a big buck up on the south end of this property and said that he was working my way. So that got me pretty excited. So then Logan come up and around and this road leaving out of there comes right by this stand. I mean, it's probably 100 yards, but the deer don't care if they're right next to a road. Um, anyway, after he drove by, like right after he drove by, like two little buck, two like forky bucks, whatever, and a bunch of does blew out of the trees. And I thought at first when he drove by, it spooked him out of there, but I'm pretty sure that big buck that I had seen and maybe the big buck that Logan had seen just were in there stirring shit up because it is the rut, you know, and they're out pushing does and beating up little bucks' asses and whatever. So then a little bit later that day, um, more deer came flying out of that, those woods, without any reason to be spooked. And then that, at around 2.30, that nice nine or ten point, he come back through on the same edge, and I grunted at him, tried to get him to stop, tried to get him to look my way, but he just couldn't hear me, it was so windy. Um, and then he just did back into the woods. So then I sat the rest of the evening seen some does there was a dude that kept walking up and down that road on the side so and the way the wind was blowing all of his scent was probably blown into those woods and I was like well damn it that's gonna screw me up but I was patient waited um, and then like right before dark you know right when things start moving and coming out there were some does coming into where I was sitting all this and then I hear a lady walking up that lane, yelling at her dog, come here, come here, blah, 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 whatever. So she walks up all the way past, blows a bunch of deer back out towards me, but they all were running, so I couldn't, you know, it was just not going to work. Just little bucks and does. And then she come back that way, right before dark, yelling at her dog the whole way, and I'm like, wow, this sits pretty much screwed. So I was like, well, damn it. You know, I got to leave Friday, like, afternoon, you know, no later in the afternoon. So that was like, ugh. We're thinking, okay, we got one last hoorah in us Friday morning. We we're going to go sit that same blind, but we're taking the decoy with us. So that way, then bucks come out on that edge about 80 to 100 yards. We can get them to come into us. So then we get in there. This, that's So that's this morning. We're all the way to today. We get sat down, we got the heater working this time. We're, you know, it comes first light, nothing's really moving. We were joking. I just farted, really. And it sounded like a butt grunt. I'm like, yeah, I'm calling the deer, and we're all just joking. And all of a sudden, a doe comes flying out of those woods straight in front of us. And right behind her, a little basket rack buck 
And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Here we go, you know. Windows are slid open. I'm ready with my bow. He comes bouncing in there. And Logan gets him to stop. So he stops and looks at the decoy. And he's like 35, 40 yards. Logan says, 40 yards. So I had to like make a weird uh, move over to the window where he was stopped where I could get a shot. And I don't know what the hell happened if I yanked my bow when I shot, if I tweaked it, canned it, I don't know. But when I shot, I put my 40 pin on that butt. He was just standing there. I shot, and my arrow hit down by his back feet. And I was like, what the hell? So I'm grabbing another arrow, and he, like, walks back more towards in front of us by the decoy, but further down. And he stops again. And Logan says, 40 yards. So I put my 40 yard pin on him shot him and I hit him I seen the arrow zip right through him but it was a little to the right and he was kind of quartering to us and so it hit far back and he hunched up and just kind of walked off while I was grabbing another arrow and he stopped out at 60 yards and so Logan ranged him. He said, 60 yards. And so I put my pin on him, 60, and I shot. And according, Logan was watching in the binoculars, and it was so windy, he said, like, my arrow was flying through the air sideways on that long shot. And I don't think the wind affected my first shot because I hit to the right side of the wind, and I wasn't really holding for the wind. So if anything, I would have thought I would hit left. But I think it was just... It's the second deer I've ever shot a bow at, and it's the first deer I've shot a bow at in 10, 12 years. So, I'm just a rookie-ass bow hunter. I can tell you that right now. I was all jacked up, like, not freaking out, but just heart was racing, you know. So, anyway, we set, let him settle down. He walks into the trees. He was hurting bad, you know. And Logan was like, ah, I think you, you just hit him far back. It might be guts. When we watched him walk into the trees, we seen blood and stuff hanging out of him. So we were kind of hopeful in the way he was moving. But then we got up to, we sat for a little bit, waited. Then we just decided we were going to back out. We were going to go home for a minute, let everything settle down. So we went out though and looked at the arrow and our fears were confirmed that it was the gut shot it had blood on the arrow there was good blood but it was also guts and i was hoping maybe it hit a lung and it come out the guts or something so then we went home for a couple hours let everything settle down but then there was a storm rolling in today so i shot this deer at 6 30 this morning by the time we got back out there Got, we pulled some of the hanging hunt stands down so we didn't have to do it later. Just giving this deer some time. Um, about 10, 9.30, 10 o'clock probably. So we get on the blood trail. You know, I'm ready with the arrow. We, we wanted to let him sit longer, but with me having to leave and the weather, just wasn't going to happen. And I don't know if we did the right thing or not. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. But, um, you know, we're ready. We're blood trailing. We got good blood for the first little bit. And we're just blood trailing. And then we started losing it. And then it started raining. 
and it starts snowing. And we kept like having to backtrack. We were marking our blood on the onyx, you know, marking our track, everything. Um, yeah, it was. We were having a hard time. Like the blood was so good, and then it was just like a drop every five, ten feet, and then it just went to like every ten yards. And then there would be good blood again, and then no blood, and then good blood, and then no blood. But then by the time it started snowing. We were getting nervous because it was covering the old blood and washing it away. And then we weren't going to be able to find new blood. And we thought maybe, we were hoping we were just going to go in there and find this buck dead. He laid down and died. This buck, I don't think he ever laid down. I don't, I guess when they're gut shot, they just hunch up and just keep waddling. Because if they stop moving, then it hurts them. So, you know, we tracked him and tracked him and tracked until the snow covered up everything. And by then, you know, it's like, well, what do you do? So we called a guy with a blood tracking dog, but he didn't answer his phone. And he would have been a couple hours out anyway. So we just started, we went up to the south end of the property and just started gridding as much as we could. You know, and it sucked because I didn't want to blow all the good deer out for Logan. Oh, while we were backing out too, before we left and went back home for a little bit. We're looking at the arrow and we look up on the hill and that nice eight point that it came out yesterday morning <laughs> was standing there looking at us 70 yards so i hate to be like well if we wouldn't have shot at that little buck that eight point would have came in you know which he was he was going to come right down into our decoy and check us out um but it, it doesn't matter so we just start gridding man and we didn't want to blow everything out, but we got to find this buck. It's snowing like a mofo, and we looked this whole 80 acres. We couldn't find that buck. We just think that he never stopped, and so the amount of time we stopped and waited, um, he just got way out ahead of us and kept going and got onto other properties. There's big drainages and creek bottoms and big woods that he could have got into and just kept going, and we'd never be able to find him. So he, I feel horrible about it. I really do. I didn't want to gut shoot one. I wished I would have had my shit together a little bit more and been able to pull off a better shot. I wanted to find him. I was so hopeful we were going to find him after we were finding good blood, but it just didn't happen. And I guess that's bow hunting. That's why bow hunting sucks, but I love it. And it's not going to deter me from bow hunting again you know what I mean I'm kind of hooked on this whitetail thing with a bow so we we just decided we were probably gonna have to call and Logan said you know he's probably just gonna end up being coyote bait if we find him we find him I'll let you know but not much I can do and I gotta you know get home got obligations and wife and my baby girls to see because they think I left them forever to go stupid whitetail hunting but Oh, so I'm going to sulk probably the whole way home about this, but it's not going to, I don't know. It's just how it goes. Happens. I feel horrible for the deer. He's going to die because he's going to either bleed out or he's going to turn septic and die. Coyotes are going to chew him up. Poor guy. But across another big river right here. I don't know what one this is. It's kind of cool though. I feel horrible. It would have been my first archery buck, first whitetail. 
wasn't a giant by no means. He's just a little basket rack, six or an eight point, I don't know. But still cool. And, you know, I learned a lot. Me and Logan, we kind of decided that I need to upgrade my compound setup and get different... Well, I'm going to get a new bow, get different sights that are more, like, adapt for early, like, first light tree stand hunting. You know what I mean? Instead of having, like, a seven-pin sight for, like, out west hunting. Because I really don't bow hunt a ton with my compound out west. I probably will now I say that. But I think I'll rather save my money and hunt whitetails with my bow and muzzleloader and rifle hunt deer and elk out west. But, um... Just gonna get new setup, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about whitetails, and there's, I'm not. It's not like I know everything now. You know, I hardly know anything about them still. But they're cool animals. Like they, they're totally different from mule deer. How they operate, they, they run big circles, kind of like a lion would. You know, they check these woods for does, and then they make a loop, and they check these woods, and they just seemed to me like they were just running big like a trap line almost you know just a big circle but i don't know i'm hooked i'm excited to get back i can't wish i could come back sooner can't wait till next year to come do it again got to redeem myself too so but like i said anyway a long drive ahead of me maybe if i think of more stuff to talk about on this drive i'll do another podcast um man whitetail hunting's cool you western guys don't think it's cool then you can eat shit because you don't know but um now i'm gonna sign off thanks for listening you know go follow me on instagram at dylan underscore ride i'm sure the people who listen to this already follow me so whatever but that's my spiel i'm heading home now did a week's worth of whitetail hunting had a blast learned a lot Learned that I need to upgrade some of my stuff. Need to I'll be better prepared next time, so maybe Logan won't be pulling his hair out the whole time. No, but he was good. He took him and his wife took really good care of me. His Logan's mom and dad. Holly's parents. I'm thankful for everyone. Thank you guys for making it an awesome trip and I'm excited to come back. So anyway. Peace out.